0: You're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments, with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Grace and peace be unto you, my friends. So glad you're here today. Um, Today we're going to cover the topic, Why doesn't the church fight the battle? Why do pastors and elders Refuse to engage and fight this battle for the souls of men, the lives of children, and the future of our nation and of this planet. And the reason why this is coming up, brothers and sisters, uh, recently, you know, we've made the move uh, to Florida. We're setting up shop. We're beginning the great work. Uh, to start this new church plant, the American Reformation Church, and we have found uh, tremendous favor uh, with the local folks, and including uh, local pastors, which is very rare. Uh, Typically, when a new pastor comes to town, um, you know, there's somewhat of a territorial spirit. They're concerned about the shifting of the saints instead of the kingdom being vance you know and souls being one to christ and and to a certain degree i get that but we're in partnership with some pastors uh chief among them is a pastor by the name of jason brown and he is just a rare bird in the kingdom he, he's such a wonderful brother in the lord and we're planning on meeting like once a week, you know, to pray, to encourage each other, and he's been extremely supportive, you know, of this new church plant. He's been backing it, promoting it, uh, supporting it, and uh, very grateful uh, for this dear brother and the churches that uh, he has helped to plant and encourage them to help and support the work as well. So... The Lord's really blessed us with some good uh, pastor friends uh, in the area that are kingdom-minded. And, and again, it kind of reiterates the saying that I've always said for decades now. You know, it's amazing how far the kingdom can be advanced if people are not concerned about who gets the credit. And that is so true, brothers and sisters. And, you know, we've met some decent brothers and pastors who sort of have that heart very encouraged by it and so anyway we were we were meeting on uh, a monday and you know we're discussing the issues in the church plant and praying and he just kind of looked at me and he's i could see he was struggling with some things he had some questions on his mind and he just said rusty you know why why doesn't the church like see what's going on why, why don't pastors and elders uh engage you know in this battle it's like it's so obvious like what could possibly you know hold them back or, or blind their minds you know to the reality that we're facing you know as christians in this nation you know and that's a that's an important question right and the and the fact that he's even thinking this way um, and you know, meditating on it and and seeking the Lord, you know, uh, seeking you know viable answers to that, you know, difficult question. And it is, it's it, it is, it's it's like you know, there, there's something about uh, American Christianity, um, and 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 there's a lot of reasons for it, but. You know we've we've pretty much adopted this go along to get along kind of attitude you know when it comes to this you know to sin to the devil and demons and this godless world system that's in rebellion you know to almighty god and his loving just rule in the earth and we've just kind of you know created our christian ghettos and our christian subculture and uh, we really don't have the the stoutness, the hardiness uh, of historical Christianity. We we have lost so much uh, in these last several decades, um, and uh, I don't know. Just we've just been conditioned by our government and this culture to just um, you know just ignore. Just to ignore blatant sins and abominations that are literally uh, rotting our nation and bringing God's just judgment upon us. So why are those so few that are refusing to stand in the gap to make up the, the hedge, you know? Where is the once, you know, courageous heart, the stout and brave heart of godly men and women, you know? Um, you know, you're reading the Old Testament, you know, where the mantle fell, and I think it was Elisha, and slammed it down. Where is the Lord God of Elijah, right? You know, or, or uh, you know, uh, gosh, uh, uh, oh my goodness, Gideon, yeah, <laughs> man, I'm having senior moments here, you know, but Gideon, right? You know, our fathers told us about this miraculous God, right? This God who intervenes, the, this God that arises and, you know, delivers us from evil and defeats our enemies. And, uh, you know, uh, where where has that gone? You know, what has happened to us, right? And so, anyway, we're we're contemplating that, and I, I just you know just briefly went through about four or five things that i have learned in this last 40 years of serving the lord on the front line of the battle and i just kind of went through it with him and uh and i just thought you know that may be something of value uh to share with my brothers and sisters at large especially like those in the abolitionist movement you know like why why doesn't the church see it like why why is their heart so hard why are they so blinded you know to the reality of of what's going on in our midst and you know why don't they have a heart for the Lord why don't they have a heart for his image bearers you know that are being led to the slaughter you know and we're you know committing child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood and then the toll that's taken on the American psyche our, our minds you know our our government our culture you know it's like we're drowning in a sea of blood and perversion right and how is it we can ignore this when it's just like banging on our door every single day and so you know, I attempted to give him some answers, just some things that I've learned along the way, and perhaps it will be beneficial to you, my friends. And so, the first one, and, and this is kind of controversy, and I controversial, and I and I, and I do want to say, in stating this first thing, this brother I'm talking to, he is a dispensationalist, and I have a lot of great. Dispensational brothers and sisters that I fellowship with, that I deeply love. Uh, They have been faithful in the battle. Uh, Some of them are the greatest preachers of righteousness, I know. And this is not a slam against them, okay? Um, They're saved, they know the Lord, they love God, uh, but we do happen to have a different view uh, of the end times. Now, we don't break fellowship over that, thanks be to God, Um, but I got to tell you, whether you believe in the merits of dispensationalism or not, uh, you know, we, we could have that discussion, could have that debate, but I'm just telling you, when I've preached about the church's responsibility before God to love our neighbor as ourselves, to rescue those unjustly sentenced to death you know to fulfill the golden rule you know basic christianity 101 when it comes to the plight of the pre-born these pastors and elders and churches they would actually be convicted i mean seriously the spirit of god would convict them they would see the reality of what i'm talking about but when i would probe them deeper you know, to get involved across that line of obedience and join us in the fray, pretty much the number one response, and this was like the fallback, you know, template, uh, it's the end times. And of course, they would bring up the famous phrase, why polish brass on a sinking ship? Why rearrange furniture in a burning house? They're so convinced the Lord's going to come back any second now, that it would be a waste of time, a waste of effort to try to seek the Lord to deliver us from the evil of child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, and to deliver us from those who are parading their sin like Sodom. And to be honest with you, I've had brothers and sisters who hold to this theology, you know, pretty much say, I'm, I'm fighting against the Lord, that I, somehow by fighting abortion and homosexuality and wanting to see righteousness and justice restored into the land, that somehow my puny efforts are literally delaying the second coming of Christ. And honestly, that is the logical conclusion of their theology, of their doctrine. And so according to them, the more evil it gets, the better off Christians are because our redemption draws nigh." And I just gotta tell you, brothers and sisters, that mentality, not, not every dispensationalism, they may believe in that end time scenario, but they still join us in the battle. And, I, and I've told my dispensational brethren who fight the battle with us, you're doing a great kingdom work. Uh, the only difference between you and me is I believe it's gonna you know, work. It's gonna be fulfilled in time and history. Now, you don't believe that, and that's fine. But you know what, guys? Keep up the good kingdom work, because we serve a God who watches over his word to perform it. So anyway, you know, I shared that with the pastor, and of course, he kind of leaned back in his chair, and he was meditating on that, thinking that through. And then um, I shared with him probably the secondary cause why the church will not get involved in the battle, why, why pastors and elders kind of ignore uh, what is going on around them. Uh, it is uh, a philosophy, a theology known as pietism. Now, that's different from being pious. Like, you know, a pietistic person Is one that sort of treasures their sanctification, you know, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know, more of Jesus, less of us kind of thing, you know, uh, you know, walking in personal holiness and godliness and righteousness. That's a good thing, brothers and sisters, and we should be striving for that and pursuing that as Christians. That's different from Pietism because pietism basically says god is not interested on how men and nations govern themselves in the world that he created in other words god's not concerned about politics all god is concerned about is are you saved brother are you saved we're only here to preach the gospel and uh If you know Pastor Matt Chewella, he tackles this topic called Pietism, and he kind of addresses this, we only preach the gospel business. He says, do you notice the only time they say we're only supposed to preach the gospel is when Christians want to be salt and light when it comes to government, law, and politics. They never say we're just here to preach the gospel when any other topic comes up. In other words, uh, Pastor Matt, you know, brought up these examples like, oh, you know, Pastor, can we start a softball team for the church? Well, you know, all we're supposed to do is preach the gospel, right? Or, hey, Pastor Elders, can we have a potluck dinner? Well, that sounds nice, but we're only supposed to preach the gospel. And Pastor Matt brings out the point none of us only preach the gospel we actually go to the bathroom sometimes we actually have dates with our wives right we do a lot of things that are not just preaching the gospel but they'll never bring up that excuse you know when it comes to fun things or pleasurable things you know oh no we're only supposed to preach the gospel the only time they say that is when churches, pastors, elders, and Christians are concerned about law, public policy, uh, corrupt government, and how it's ill affecting, you know, this nation, our culture, the church, and our families. And it's so it's so mind boggling, brothers and sisters, because you, you kind of wonder, like, they study the scriptures. They study the Bible and they somehow conclude that God is not interested in politics. Well, first of all, just think about the titles of God. Well, yeah, there's some ecclesiastical titles, you know, the great shepherd, the bishop of our souls, but most of the titles are political. Lord, king, judge, ruler, governor of the nation, king of kings, lord and lord of lords. All these are political titles. And how in the world can you go through the book of just the book of acts? Oh my gosh. How many times did the fledgling church have to deal with politics, with ruling authorities, with government officials? It was non-stop it was incredible I mean to to think that the church had nothing to do with politics and you look at the book of Acts I mean I mean honestly brothers and sisters and it really comes down to the ultimate nature of the battle that we are engaged in you find it in the book of Acts in acts chapter 17 when it talks about you know those that have turned the world upside down have come here too right And he's talking about the disciples the apostles of christ turning the world upside down well how are they doing it by two things and this is the nature of the battle who is lord caesar or christ and whose laws are to govern in the affairs of men men's law or god's law and in redemptive history any human law that violated the law of God was considered no law at all. But where did we get this from? We got this from the fledgling church and the spread of Christianity, brothers and sisters. So, you know, what was the accusation against the early church? They're saying there's another king, one called Jesus, and this king is teaching things contrary to the decree of Jesus caesar brothers and sisters that has been the battle and that is the battle that is raging today who is lord caesar or christ and yes we are to give to caesar the things that are caesar but we are to give to the lord the things that are the lord's and so brothers and sisters you know to think that God is not concerned about how men govern their lives when He has given us statutes, commandments, decrees. I mean, it it boggles the mind that Christians have bought into this thing. And yet, they're, they're growing up, they're living in a nation that has lost its mind. We have become insane The inmates are running the asylum we got a corrupt government making evil and wicked decrees and this is having a negative impact upon our life and so we can say oh god's not concerned about politics he's not concerned about how people govern themselves well you know look around you look at the consequences because nature abhors a vacuum and if christians are not being salt and light in the different areas of our culture and of our nation. Brothers and sisters, somebody else is filling the void. And it's the devil and his crowd. And so, neutrality is not possible. Understand that, brothers and sisters. We try to take a neutral stance. Well, Christ didn't. He said, you're either for me or you're against me you're either gathering or you're scattering all right he is the Lord right he He said the stone which the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone and he said I'm either gonna fall on you or no you either gonna fall on me right or I'm gonna fall on you and crush you to powder so you we either fall on him as a people and nation and be broken of our pride In our self-righteousness in our immorality in our rebellion so we can come to true true and genuine salvation or he's going to fall on us and crush us to powder there is no neutrality brothers and sisters so be leery be careful in fact i i'm listening to pastors right now saying the reason why our nation is falling apart is because christians are getting involved in politics I'm like, what, what, how in the world could you reach that conclusion? It's been our absence from law. It's been our absence from government that has created this void, that has made this nation bankrupt because we have not been salt and light in our culture, in our government. And so now we got these wicked decrees and these unjust laws and they're being stuffed down our throat and being forced upon us. And people are losing it. Literally losing their minds. Great Depression. They can't pay their bills. They're drowning. They talk about mental health issues. And you don't think God is concerned about how people you know, rule their lives, govern their lives. He's the Creator. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. What part are we not getting that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the ruler of the princes of this earth. And you are telling me that God is not concerned on how we live our life in this world? Because understand this, brothers and sisters, God is very tight-lipped when it comes to the afterlife. Yes, there's a few passages on heaven that we can somewhat discern, you know, and in fact, when you put together the passages on the afterlife, Christ talked a lot more about hell than he did heaven. But I am telling you, like, 90, I don't know, high 90s. High 90s. When you put the scriptures all together and the emphasis of God when it comes to who he is and the commandments that he has given to men, the high Ninety says this is how men and nations are supposed to live in the world that I have created. Very little ink is spent on the afterlife. What's so amazing to me? We put a great emphasis on the afterlife and put very little emphasis of what we're supposed to do as Christians when we live upon this earth. But when you look at the scriptures, what is the emphasis? It's the complete opposite. The complete opposite. So there it is. You know, Pietism. Okay, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you're going to a church that teaches Pietism, they are a part of the problem why our nation is going to hell in a handbasket. I hate to break that to you, but that's the gospel truth. We are a part of the problem. And we will never solve it by living in our Christian ghettos and Christian subculture. We will solve it by doing what God commanded us to do, and that is to be salt and light in the earth. And what did he say? What would happen to us if we weren't the salt? Right? Three things. Good for nothing. Cast out. trodden under the foot of men. Now I know a lot of people think this is the end times and God bless you, but can we also consider that it may not be the end times? Could we consider that this is the failure of the church to be sought, and as a result, what's happening? The church is becoming more and more irrelevant, we're being cast out, we're, we're pushed to the side, we're being marginalized as a fringe group, right? And we're being trodden under the foot of men. Our freedoms and our liberties are being taken away from us as they prize and uphold abominations like abortion, homosexuality, the transgendered movement, right? Brothers and sisters, ideas have consequences and a belief system is going to lead us somewhere and we really do need to factor this stuff in. Just a couple of more things, a couple of more thoughts I I passed on to this dear brother. You know, we talked about um, the loss of reputation and the fear of man. That's a biggie, brothers and sisters. A, A lot of pastors and elders honestly believe if I take a stand for righteousness right if i take a stand for justice you know uh i'm gonna be considered considered a kook i'm gonna be considered one of those fringe christians those street preachers or those abolitionist guys right and i'll I'll lose my standing i'll lose my reputation you know in the community and you know and to a certain degree Brothers and sisters, you do have to factor that in. I get it, you know. But I think the Lord (laughs) um, is our example, right? Like when it came to the kenosis where he empties himself from heaven to humble himself to become a bondservant upon this earth, obedient even unto the, uh, the death on a cross, right? This bondservant of God. It said he made himself of no reputation. This is the Lord. This is the King. This is the one who created the heavens and the earth, who left glory, right? To humble himself, to become obedient, okay? And in doing so, he went out of his way to make sure he made of himself no reputation you know so if you take a stand for righteousness if you take a stand for justice yeah uh, you may take some hits there might be some blowback you know but brothers and sisters especially pastors and elders are we here to please men are we here to receive the praises of men or are we here to please Christ and receive the praises that come from god and god alone we got to remember that we're representing him you know not only to the church and to christians but to the world can we trust god right you know the apostle paul said man if if my life in ministry was about pleasing men I, i'm ceasing to be the servant of christ god forbid God forbid, brothers, come on. Why, why are we doing this? What are we in this for? For our own reputation? Come on, you know who you are. Look in the mirror. You, c- good grief. You know, we're flawed men, right? We got issues, all of us. We struggle. And we're trying to keep some sterling reputation when our Lord didn't, Didn't think that was important? Why do we think it's important? You know what matters, brothers, pastors, elders? There's two things that have kept me in this battle sane for 40 years. I know two things. God sees and God knows. God sees and God knows. So it doesn't make a difference to to me whether people accept me or reject me love me, or hate me, slander me, or receive me. You know, think of the Apostle Paul, right? He said, I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. And he said, none of these things move me. Well, what moves you? Vision, mission, right? Advancing the gospel of the kingdom, being faithful to the ministry that God has called him to. That's where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So obviously, he's not concerned about his reputation. He's concerned about remaining faithful to the Lord who called him and separated him from the womb to be a minister of the gospel of the kingdom. So, so brothers, seriously, consider these things, weigh these things. Is our reputation more important to us than serving, loving, and obeying our Lord? God forbid, brothers. God forbid. Don't fall for that. Please don't fall for that. It's really hurt our effectiveness as the church of Jesus Christ in these days. And the last thing, of course, is the loss of finances, the loss of money. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. And that's why I encourage churches, never go into debt um, to build your bigger buildings. Because once you do that, the master is no longer the Lord. The master becomes mammon. And I'm going to tell you right now and then, it comes with a ball and chain. In what way? Well, if you're in debt, And you're beholding to the congregation to keep coming and filling those pews and sowing into your ministry. Are you going to go out of your way to say anything that might be perceived as offensive? Uh, Probably not. Now, there are still some men of integrity, men of courage that will still preach the whole counsel of God but I gotta tell you brothers and sisters you know once you need money uh, to pay off debts uh, in the body of Christ there's a huge temptation to dilute the message and compromise the church. Men become very measured in their messages Uh, because they're trying to determine a certain outcome and honestly brothers and sisters that is not our realm our realm is to speak the truth in love and let the chips fall where they may and and i I just got to tell you that you know the love of money not money but the love of money truly is the root of all evil and we think about that with maybe human trafficking or you know, real, you know, sinful, abominable things, but it's also very subtle, you know, in the body of Christ, okay? Especially if, if you're, like, we're planning a church, right? We're planning a church. I gotta, I gotta negotiate through all this stuff. I really do, right? Because I, I've been raised in the American church that was primarily concerned about nickels and noses, right? How many, and even when you get with pastors and go to pastors meetings you know what what are their typical questions well how many are you running on sunday you know how much do you have in your bank account right like somehow that's determining whether you're a successful church or not well brothers and sisters i got to tell you that's not god's definition of success you know god's definition of su- success is How many in the church are being equipped to do the ministry and to fight the Lord's battles? You know, how many are being discipled? How many being mentored? You know, how many serving the purposes of God through their lives? You know, that's how God measures success. So anyway, brothers and sisters, I hope these, uh, now believe me, there's, there's other reasons why You know, pastors and elders in the church don't want to engage in this battle. But those are some of the biggest reasons that I have come across in the last 40 years. And so, again, I pray that there was a benefit to you. And listen, guys, if you have fallen into some of this stuff and you see, like, since I've been talking about it, maybe you've felt a little bit of conviction about that. Hey, there's a remedy. We just humble ourselves, right? We confess, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I've been looking at this all wrong. I've I've fallen into some of these traps, and um, I'm sorry. And, you know, would you forgive me? Would you help me uh, to maybe be a little bit more courageous, right? Be strong and courageous. How many times has God had to say that to his men? Be strong and courageous. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest, right? I mean, we need that, brothers and sisters. We we truly do, okay? If we're going to stand, and having done all, continue to stand for the Lord in the advancement of his kingdom. So I pray this was a blessing to you. Uh, if you like this podcast and you see some benefit to it, please pass it on to others and uh, let them know what's going on here. and. And perhaps uh, they, uh, you know, they can be ministered to as well and encouraged and inspired. And if they need to, you know, receive some correction, you know, so be it, you know, and prayerfully uh, that will help them to grow in their walk with God and be more effective in their service to God. So, well, that's it uh, for today. Uh, And as usual, I just want to admonish you, keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. Till next time.